0: Well, bless God, thank you. It's such a joy to be back here again. My wife ran up to me, if you saw that. I have a brace on my knee, and so my pants leg was up. So she ran over to pull my pants leg down. Every, every husband needs a wife to pull the pants leg down occasionally. You have no idea, I, I, I'm telling you, you have no idea the thrill that is in my heart to be back in this pulpit again. Uh, uh, I preach regularly for 34 years here, and uh, a lot of things take place. For instance, I am grateful to Carol Baker. Carol Baker, for 41 years, has been styling my hair. (laughs) I have never gotten into this pulpit, not one time, but she didn't style my hair, say, oh, that's, that's ridiculous, oh, no, no. We're going back now to the infancy of television. We were on television, and the ABC affiliate said to me, you need somebody to uh, put the makeup on your face every, I didn't like that. So I, Carol said, I'll do it, I'll do it. Just shampoo your hair the night before, I'll style it the next day, so forth. All the years that I was here, she, uh, she did that and I appreciate her doing that this, this morning again. And this is a special morning. In what way? Well, the pastor couldn't get out of bed this morning because Auburn beat Alabama yesterday. Say, <laughs> so how do you know? I just know uh, how — I know how he felt. Well, I've been looking forward to to me. I love Christmas. Christmas to me is, is about giving. Christ, not receiving, but giving. That's the reason if you visit our house, it'll be at this season of the year. You won't like it, some of you, because every room in our house is decorated with a Santa Claus because that's just the way my wife and I were reared and brought up, so we like the concept of giving and, and whether receiving, that doesn't make any difference, but just giving. And I I started thinking over the last uh, couple of weeks about Christmas, and I was looking at the world in which we live. What about the world in which we live? Well, we've got the Republicans and the Democrats acting like the fools that they have been for many, many years, and we know what's going on there. And then, I get on the internet almost every day, and on the internet, I see something else that is calling attention of the people, and that is uh, the climate change. And wow, what did I find out in the last week or so? A thousand, one thousand intellectuals have said that climate change is caused by humans. But then again, I read that there were five or six hundred climatologists who said, no, it's just a a matter of the cycle of the times. Makes you wonder if they know what's going on. And then, of course, I was really caught up with the other big deal that everybody has been talking about for the last 20 or 30 years. Uh, It's about this, this concept of of aliens coming. One woman in Florida said she was captured by an alien group who took her up to her the, to the planet, and she was impregnated, brought back down to Earth, and she had a human baby that looked just like her. Now, you know, we used to say years ago, if you believe that, I've got some swampland in Florida that you can Uh, Another conspiracy theory about this alien business is that NASA has been hiding the fact that the aliens have bases all over the moon. And if that's not enough, there's another alien theory that when our moon men picked up the moon rocks from the moon and brought them back here, that they were, they, those rocks, have within them hidden signals from aliens. Now we all remember that wonderful sci-fi movie back in 1982 where E.T. was introduced to the world. It's the story of of a young boy named Elliot who befriended this alien from outer space And he and his friends did everything they could to protect E.T. from the government that was trying to capture him. And, And we were all captivated by that story. Aliens, aliens from outer space called extraterrestrials. You know, that's garbage to me. Why? I know an alien. I know an extraterrestrial, his name is Jesus. He came 2,000 years ago. And when Jesus came 2,000 years ago, I learned that I could be his friend. So for the last 50 or more years, I've walked with him, and I've talked with him, and we've communed. And not only that, one day, years ago, he introduced me to his father. And you know what his father said to me? He said, oh son, I really love you. Can you imagine God the Father saying, I love you? What does Christian mean to me and to you? Well, let's look at the story itself. Look at it, if you will, with me in the book of Matthew, the fifth chapter, beginning with verse 21 and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of of the Lord by the prophet saying, behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us. You want to know what Christmas is all about? That's what it's all about. In an absolute nutshell, God came down here to earth. Now, sometimes it's a little difficult for us to understand the concept because we have never seen an extraterrestrial being. Most of us have never heard an extraterrestrial being. We don't know how they get along in the extraterrestrial world. We're just given a glimpse of it every now and then. Well, suppose one day I was walking down a road, minding my own business, and I accidentally stepped on an ant bed. Now, I don't know whether you've ever stepped on an ant bed. I have. And I've taken the time to look at it. Ant beds are filled with probably hundreds of thousands of little ants. They are building homes, we are told. They are having babies, we are told. There is a a type of democracy going on in their world. And I step on them, and I look down, and I see what I've done. I I look at the confusion as the answer going here and there all over the place. I want to say to them, hey, I'm sorry, I, I really didn't mean to do that. You say, that's dumb. No, it's not dumb. How wonderful would it have been if only I knew ant talk. Do you know ant talk? That's the way you communicate with ants. Well, you see, you've got to understand what Christmas is all about is God, holy God, God, you and I can't understand God coming down to earth, making himself known to us. Oh, wow. That, in effect, is what Christmas means to me. Well, see three things, if you will. First thing I want you to see is the preparation for of God for Christ. You see, it wasn't just some accidental point in time that Jesus was born several thousand years ago. Jesus was born in preparation, a preparation that has been conducted over the previous ages of time. Jesus was not a product of the age in which he was born. Jesus owed nothing to the country in which he was born. Jesus owed nothing to the world that was prepared by God for which he was born. One historian said this, in order to spread an idea or a creed, two instruments are necessary, or at least desirable, a common language and a common social system. The first was satisfied by the conquest of Alexander, who spread the Greek language throughout the world. Thus, the Greek language in which our New Testament was written. This was the common language of the civilized world. And before Alexander, the Romans had already consolidated a political whole upon the earth. So what we have in the birth of Jesus is a fixed point in time that God was moving toward. I mean, when all points of history had to occur, it was something that every prophet of the Old Testament spoke of that was going to take place, beginning with Moses. It it was at a time when When the world politically and culturally and religiously was ready, history has been called his story. Our pastor likes to call it the divine plan of the ages. And I'm glad he mentioned that time after time as we went through the book of Revelation because my next book is going to come out after the first of the year, entitled The Divine Plan of the Ages. It's critically important that you understand exactly what took place. God was preparing the world for his coming. You remember when Jesus' mom and dad brought him to the temple and Simeon there worshiping in the temple, recognized who he was. This was a time when God brought everything together so that even Israel was anticipating his birth. Christmas means so much to me that I've read so many stories and some of them are nice stories and some of them are parables and You know, sort of my wife would say sweet stories. Well, let me tell you a sweet story. It's not true, but I like it, so I'm going to tell it. (laughs) It's the story of the little star. You see, way back in the beginning of time, the Bible says that God created the heavens and the earth. And in creating the heavens and the earth, the Bible said that he placed the stars whom he knows by name in their orbits. And there was a little star who was looking to be placed in his orbit. And God said, no, not not ready yet for you. Oh, the little star was, was crushed. That little star wanted to shine like all the rest. When all the stars of heaven Lighted lighted a path for the Jews out of bondage. The little star came to God and God looked at the little star and said, No, not yet. I'm not ready for you. And the years passed by. The stars were growing lighter and brighter. And the little star saw those stars hovering over David as he wrote poem after poem. And oh, the little star yearned to join those other stars in encouraging David. But God said, not now. And then finally, there came that point in time in the parable where God said to the little star, "Okay, I'm ready. And he placed that little star in the heavens. And the little star looked down upon the earth and saw three wise men gazing up at it. And then God began to move that little star. And across the heavens it moved and the three wise men moved with it until finally in one blinding source of light it hovered over A little cradle in a barn, in a burst of light. And it was pleased with the job that it did. See heaven came down at a special time, all right? Secondly I want you to see that Christmas means something about the revelation of God to man. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you, if you would, to turn to Galatians 6, 4. I forgot to mention this to the lady to put on the screen. But in Galatians 6, 4, here is what Paul said. He said, when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. What the Apostle Paul does here is to first of all stress the reality of the fact that Jesus was born of a woman in the natural methodology that women birth babies. But then God changes the verb. And the second verb that we read is completely different from the first verb in that he then says, But, this baby was made according to the law. Jesus was born after the fashion of women giving birth, but Jesus was not born after the fashion of a husband pregnating a woman. This job was done by the Holy Spirit, made under the law, born of a woman but not in the usual way. The Father sent another. And the scriptures tell us this way. Jesus said, not that I love the world, uh, that we love God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. That all men should honor the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath, hath, hath sent him? Jesus cried and said, He that believeth on me, believeth not on me, but on him that sent me. And he that sees me, seeth him that sent me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also, and from henceforth you shall know him, and you have seen him. Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Jesus said unto him, have I been so long with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me, or else believe me for my very work's sake. He that hateth me, hateth my Father. All are mine, and they're thine, and thine are mine, that they all may be one as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, and that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one." And Paul says, Jesus being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of life. Now, Jesus is revealed to us in the incarnation in Christ. Now, this simply means that Jesus took upon himself the mantle of flesh. That's hard for us to understand, that Jesus, by his very famous name, he called himself Son of Man, man and God. It's hard for us to understand that Jesus became a man like us. He was thirsty, just like we grow thirsty. He was tired, just like we grow tired. He was weary, just like we grow weary. He was exasperated with his disciples, just like we get exasperated with others. He bled and died. He was human, ladies and gentlemen. It's critically important that you understand that. When a little child says to its, his mother or daddy, Mama, What is God like? All mama has to do is turn to the scriptures and describe the Lord Jesus, the kind of a person that he was. What he could do for human beings is so unbelievable. It is beyond comprehension. I remember that award-winning film, The Bridge Over the River Kwai. One of the 3,000 prisoners of war in that horrible place along the River Kwai was the former chaplain of Princeton, Dr. Ernest Gordon. He wrote a book about the prisoners and the River Kwai. He said the difference between 1942 and 43 was so strongly different. I I hope I can help you to understand it, he said in his book. He said in 1942, two to 3,000 American men were fighting with each other. They were willing to kill each other for a morsel of food. They were willing to kill each other for a better place to lie down. They were willing to take advantage of some weaker person among them. And this went on in this filthy, filthy place where they were living. And he said, but the difference between 1942 and 1943 was so astounding. He did his best to try and help us to understand it in the book. He said, during 1943, early on, the other prisoners learned something they didn't know. There was that big six foot four inch Johnny, a massive man, strong by all physical manners. And he had a little buddy, five foot seven, five foot eight, who was sick and he took care of his little buddy Oh, he took care of his little buddy in a manner that some of them couldn't understand. But they began to realize as they watched Johnny begin to lose weight and fall down until finally malnourishment hit him so much that he died. And it was then that they understood that Johnny was taking care of his little buddy so much that he gave him all of his food on a daily basis and kept little sustenance for himself. And Christian guys began to think of what that meant. And one Christian guy said, yeah, I remember going to church and I heard a preacher say, that there's no greater love than this, but a man would lay his life down for his friends. And they began to tell that among themselves. And and people began to question the Scriptures. And those that had made a decision for Christ at an early age began to be aroused and grow in faith. They began to clean up their quarters. They debugged all their beds. They brought in fresh boughs from without and laid them down so that the less fortunate could sleep on a softer bed. And they then began to sing songs that they had forgotten years before. He said the camp was so transformed Revival took place all over the camp all because they began to realize that Johnny had given his life for that little guy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's exactly what Jesus did. Come down here and talk to us ant people in our language so we could understand Him. How in the world are you going to understand God? But when He comes down and becomes one like us, oh, wow. Can't you see that? That's what Christmas is all about. God with us Holy God, loving God, caring God, wanting to meet you at the point of your exasperation, at the point of your problems, at the point of your difficulties, at the point of your marriage disillusionment, at the point of your divorce, at the point of the kids going out into the world. Again, we heard this week of, of another grandchild out in the world and a grandparent. We understand that we've been there. Hey, I, I know what it means for God to watch over me. Three times I face death, not in my accident and not in healing, but just from people trying to murder me over my lifetime. I know what it means to rest in the arms of God and trust Him. And all I'm suggesting to you today is that He's faithful. He'll do what he said he'd do. What is that? He said, I'll forgive you if you ask me. But you don't understand who I am. Good night. Any one of us could say that. It makes no difference to God. In our language, he says, I love you so much. I'll forgive you just like that. And if you'll invite my son to be your Savior from now on through the rest of your life, boy, I'll take you to be with me up there. And you'll know and understand a language and a lifestyle that you've only dreamed about. Bow with me, if you will, in a moment of prayer. Christmas is a special time. It's simply all about God coming down to earth to make himself known to us. If you're here this morning or you're viewing by means of the television, I just pray that the dear Holy Spirit will speak to your heart, and if he does, that you'll just give up and give in I thank the Lord for Christmas, not the ostentatious stuff that we see all around us, but the reality of his coming to earth to talk with us and be with us and forgive us. For we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna give you opportunity to make a decision for Christ. I don't know what kind of decision you need to make, but I do know one thing. If you have never trusted Jesus as your savior, now's the time to do it. I mean, there's no better time than now. I'll be right down here at the front, and I'll be glad to help you. Ministers will be here to counsel with you. When we designed this building, we designed it so 120 people could kneel at an altar and pray. It's good to kneel at an old-fashioned altar and pray. It's good for the spirit and the soul. It it transforms our lives, and some of you would do well to come to an old-fashioned altar this morning and say, God, in the light of what you've done for me, I just want you to know again, in a new way, thank you. I love you. Stand with me as we sing. You come and do what God wants you to do.